come on, man. I wasn't going to print this thing out. I haven't seen a printer for five years. <laughs> Hey, podcast listener, even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial pursuit, know that today, right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs all around the globe seeking to do the same thing you are. If you want to know more about this program or this podcast or want to get barraged by a lot of annoying pop-ups, check out our website, lifestylebusinesspodcast.com. Everybody, happy Thursday morning. It's the Lifestyle Business Podcast, known by the kids on the street as the LBP. <laughs> they trade it and they sell it. <laughs> you Yo, got any of that LBP, man? Yo, man, I got episode 46. <laughs> <laughs> this is the show where we believe building a business is the best way to create more personal freedom and opportunity in your life. Today, I'm joined by my captain, the CEO of our fine organization, a man who believes in the bottom line. Every day. If you guys stick around to the end of the show, we'll discuss three powerful business models thrust forward into our consciousness by the interwebs, created by the interwebs, and how knowledge of them and and sort of applying them into what you're doing on a day-to-day basis can have a really powerful impact on the biz. But first, the news and the shouts, Andy Gray from A Congruent Life podcast recently interviewed me. If you're interested in me waxing on about philosophy, but also hearing maybe a grittier story about my first job and how I sort of evolved out of that, um, go check out episode number seven. Also left us a fantastic five-star iTunes review, so thank you for that, Andy. Absolutely pumped that he decided to start a podcast as well. Speaking of podcasts, all-time high week for five-star iTunes reviews, Ian. Thank you so much. Uh, way too many to read on the show this week, but know that Ian and I read all of them, and we really appreciate it. That's right. Now we read even more of them because uh, we can actually see the ones that were generated from other countries. Thank you, Comment Cast. Yeah, generally we wouldn't go check Angola, but if you are from Angola listening to this, please do log on to that clunky iTunes interface and let us know what you think of the show. Jeremy wrote to us and say, uh, Dan and Ian, my wife and I started listening to your podcast recently, and we think LBP and TTR are our favorites. You guys are super practical, and we love the fact that you're just a couple of normal dudes slogging it out to make things work. We can really relate to that. Definitely normal dudes. Thank you, Jeremy. <laughs> Definitely normal. We are profoundly <laughs> normal dudes. <laughs> hey, John sent us an awesome email. The subject line was, listening to the LBP on the beach. I cracked that email open, and he says... Why not? I <laughs> love it. Nice, John. Uh, got an awesome picture from John. And speaking of awesome pictures, Brian uh, sent us a picture in his police uniform with some badass sunglasses and says, just listened to 20 episodes in 30 days. He's on an LBP binge, man. And he said, uh, I just want to know that our, I bet that I'm your most heavily armed listener. Yeah, cool picture with him and his, uh, I, I presume, maybe a 12-gauge in his uh, I know, we, car. We went to Brian's website and looked at, you You, you were doing this uh, clothing demonstration, yeah. Brian? Cracking up, absolutely <laughs> awesome. Very cool stuff. So we'll link you over to Brian's website. All right, well, we're all here for some dinner plans, man. We're here for the meat and potatoes. Today it's episode 158, 1,000 true fans, 100 true customers, or 10 true clients. This is going to be a conversation about business models and how they're critical to defining your way forward and getting success in your business. If this episode leaves you with one thing, it's about the importance of making explicit your business model. 
It's the same thing with the, the standard operating procedure. We don't want to be operating implicitly. Right. We want to be explicit about what we feel like we're participating in. It's interesting. Me and you, we sat down uh, before this episode and we kind of wrote that first, right? And then we both sat, we sat down and thought, what is a business model? <laughs> That's right. So, so well, okay, so let's get to that. Um, but why business models, right? Because business models are frameworks to inspire consistent action into the chaos, right? So the world is this really unclear, uncertain place. And as business owners, we're trying to define modalities or roadmaps so that we can consistently take action and get new information from the chaos and then build out the sophistication of our models. So what is a business model? Whenever a business is established, either explicitly or implicitly, we know which side of the fence we want to be on there, employs a particular model that describes the architecture of value creation, delivery, and capture mechanisms employed by the enterprise. The essence of a business model is that it defines the manner by which business enterprises deliver value to the customers, entices customers to pay for value, and converts those payments to profit. It thus reflects management's hypothesis about what customers want, how they want it, and how an enterprise can organize to best meet those needs and get paid for doing so. That's what we're here for. We want to make a profit so we can stay alive as entrepreneurs, so we can develop these incredible lifestyles that both serve the world and allow us to live in principle the way we want to live. Yes. Thank you, Wikipedia. That's a pretty good definition. Yeah. You know, you could actually, you could start a podcast and just surreptitiously read Wikipedia <laughs> articles. I mean, they're... in fact, that's what we've been doing. Do you ever find yourself doing Wikipedia deep dives? Yeah. I was on Gordon Ramsay's uh, Wikipedia page just yesterday. <laughs> random, right? It's I mean... so random. <laughs> I can see stuff like, I got a Wikipedia. That. Oh, I got to yeah. see what's going on. <laughs> so, one of the interesting things, Ian, and I think part of the reason why this 1000 True Fans article that Kevin Kelly wrote has been so infectious in the internet business marketing space. And by the way, we don't think it's the most effective model, and we're going to share a little twist at the end of the episode. Yes. But but first, step by step, the internet has actually created new business models, and it has changed the viability of existent business models. Yes. So, you know, one of the things that I think is really critical, and I have friends whose businesses have died because they didn't understand this. They didn't make this model explicit. Seth Godin calls it the mini-monopoly. Mon- Mini monopoly, mini monopoly, <laughs> and and the increased importance of this concept of being a mini monopoly on the web. So the web favors business that specialize. There's always been this like implicit specialization in a lot of old school business models. So let's talk about say a brick and mortar shoe company on the corner of Fourth and F. Right? Uh-huh. There's an implicit specialization there because of its location. It's on the corner a fourth and F. And what a lot of business owners have done is they've taken that model and they've plopped it on the internet with a nice logo. And now they're scratching their head saying, why aren't people coming to my shoe store online? Right. Where's the foot traffic That's that right. I got before? Where's the word of mouth that I, uh, that I benefited from in this small town? And basically what Seth Godin is saying is, because of the, the way you know Google is set up, the internet set up to sort of benefit the person that's at number one, it's, it's at an all-time importance to be a mini-monopoly of whatever it is, the best in the world at what you do. That's why you can't just sell shoes on the internet now. You have to sh- be the person who sells dinosaur-inspired shoes. Right. So you have to be the Tyrannosaurus Rex booty guy. That Actually, that's kind of cool. You could wear Tyrannosaurus. <laughs> you could get gloves that fit the... You see where I'm going with this? I don't think it, this isn't for adults. No. <laughs> Don't do this if you're an adult. This is about 
Purple Cow. This is about positioning, remarkability, preeminence, finding a way to dominate one small little corner of specialization, and that's a way you can get traction, eyeballs, and cash flow in a new business online. So, um, uh, by the way, just in passing, another business model that the internet has created is freemium. Yeah. Um, you know, you could not send 100,000 people a DVD uh, for free 15 years ago. Right. Now, you can. So, wow, that's only 15 years ago. We were talking about when I went to college, I'm not that old of a guy yet. I was looking through phone books of universities and occasionally those phone books would come with a CD-ROM. <laughs> yeah. And now you can literally for $500 make a highly produced video, put it on YouTube and have hundreds of thousands of people see your university. Yeah, and the difference here is the production costs are very low for this stuff these Distribution days. costs. And the distribution costs. The distribution costs are even more critical probably. You can send your ebook to anybody, right? right? And so that's what happens is when the distribution costs are zero and everybody can distrib- distribute stuff, you have to be focused, right? And it's the same thing with universities are probably gonna find this. It's not gonna be good enough just to be the university in Missouri anymore. You're gonna have to be the university that creates the best X in the world. And you know what? The same thing's gonna happen for countries. This is gonna have a a big impact. The same thing's gonna happen for cities. As as business leaders, maybe things happen a little faster for us. We're maybe a few steps ahead of governments and and, uh, uh, universities and stuff like that. Whereas the shoe guy knows because he's out of business already, you know? And I don't wanna mean like we're smarter than universities or governments. What I mean is that our organizations are more sensitive to change right now. Um, And so like the YouTube phenomenon, like that is a new thing and we're all over it, right? I mean, we spend all day long on YouTube trying to optimize that for our business. Right. So Tim Ferriss happens to be one of, the big fans of, of this 1,000 true fans model. And the 1,000 true fans model states this, as a creator, such as an artist, musician, photographer, craftsperson, performer, entrepreneur, author, anyone producing art needs to only acquire 1,000 true fans to make a living. 1,000 true fans are people who are gonna pay you $100 a year for your art, netting you $100,000 in top-line revenue or personal income, depending on how you organize your situation. Tim Ferriss has been sort of doing the interview circuit lately talking about 1,000 True Fans as a heuristic for startups, and I think he's right. He says, if you focus on a general market, you generally spend too much money, too much time, and you're, you're going to find a broad market that is not really addressable. This, again, is the one thing, man. We, we see this all the time. Yes. It's way too general. This is important, especially online, and I'm quoting Mr. Ferris here. The only thing that will determine success or failure in the early stages is finding those 1,000 people. That's a pretty big endorsement from the Godfather. Yeah, buddy. And uh, I think of Wilco when I think a hundred true or a thousand true fans. You know, Wilco is kind of like a niche band. They're a wholesale band. They're a band's band. Yeah. And uh, they they found themselves a little niche, a little indie niche. Uh, I guess these days maybe they're getting a little bit more popular, but they seem to have done the 1,000 true fans before this was uh, written by Kevin Kelly. Yeah, there's a lot of problems with this model. It's not as easy as it sounds, but the upside, the quality of it is that you get to visualize, right? You know, what does a thousand people look like? I can imagine meeting a thousand people. What could I give them that would be a hundred dollars? But I think we can improve on this. And there's a lot of problems with it. Number one is it's a business model that's really focused on one-time sales, right? Because you're going to get, you're probably in the info space or the software space, you're going to be launching that product. And then you're going to have to like a, a sack of money, 
right? And then you're going to have to do something next year. So depending on what your business model is, that might not scale that well for you, right? Right. Because you're going to spend your time serving those people who bought your product or you're you going to, you know, are you going to try to find a thousand new people or, you know, that's kind of tough. How are you going to reduplicate your efforts next year? I mean, if you're an artist and you write a novel every year, that could work. You're going to need more like five or 10,000 true fans. Right. I haven't read too many hundred dollar books. Unless they're textbooks. And that's part of the problem with this model. So let's just talk about some ways that we could improve upon it. And again, a lot of people have been asking me lately about my stance on info products. And I'm going to get to that punchline at the end. But I do think you can do info products, but it's more of like V3, V4 of your business, year three or four of your business rather than year one. And we're going to get to some business models that are a little bit more higher friction, like 100 true customers. So what are 100 true customers? 100 true customers are customers that are willing to pay you $1 a day for access to products, services, or information, or maybe that's even you, right? Maybe they'll pay you a dollar a day to have access to you or to your team or to your expertise or to your help desk. So that works out to about $40,000 a year in recurring revenue. So 100 true customers, again, are people that are willing to go on a subscription for a dollar a day. Right. Now, I think this is a much more higher friction business model. First off, you can imagine 100 people, right? A lot easier than you can imagine 1,000 people paying you for this mythical $100 thing. I like the idea of providing people with access to an experience for only a dollar a day. Yeah, and I like the idea of reoccurring revenue too, right? And that's uh, one of the problems that we're pointing out with uh, 1,000 true fans. I think there probably is a way to do reoccurring revenue with 1,000 true fans, but I think it's much easier when you're first starting out to do it with just 100. Yeah, and the idea there is that if you know that they're going to be renewing, you're going to be focused on what really grows businesses, which is increasing the lifetime value of the customers that you already have. So we call it layering the wedding cake, right? So you create this buying bed that's $40,000 in revenue, and then you can start to stack that cake up. Well, maybe people who are willing to pay you a dollar a day would be willing to pay you $5,000 a year for do, done for you services, or maybe they'll be willing to pay that for your consulting, or maybe you have a high-end service like a link building service or maybe you're creating videos for them or whatever your service is gonna be, that's layering up the wedding cake of that. You're gonna get to that $100,000 a year pretty quickly right. if you've got the $40,000 buying bed by improving the quality of services you're delivering to your already paying customers. And the, again, the, the reason this is different is that you're incentivized to serve them because they're already your customers. Right, and by the way, we do this with physical products too. So we have the standard bar at the, at the portablebarcompany.com. And then we've got these other bars and these other accessories and products that our existing customers buy from us, right? So we created a buying bed with a basic product and then we branched out from there. So this isn't exclusive to info products, right? Not at all, not at all. I think this, is, and we'll, we'll get to that a little bit, but let's start with, let's, let's like clarify the next level up in terms of friction, which would be 10 true clients. I think it's really important what you just said there about friction, right? Because a thousand true fans, there's not a lot of friction with fans a lot of times, right? It's only $100, right? right. They're only paying you $100 a year. They're not signing up for a subscription. So, you know, how many people do you need to touch in order to get those people in? You might have to touch 100,000 people and then 1% are really truly engaged enough to buy $100. Whereas I like the idea of, hey, you only need to find 100 people. Right. right to set a buying bed and then you develop those 100 people into higher order 
people. But I think that actually, if you want a higher friction business model, I would start with 10 true clients. So what are 10 true clients? Those are people that would pay you $1,000 for you to generate a desired outcome. So 10 true clients, that would be 10 people paying you $1,000 a quarter. That's $40,000 a year as well. Right. So an example of that would be uh, like I could run a program that would say I can help you build an online business because I've done it, right? So if I were to take you through a 12-week course and get on the phone with you every Friday night after we'd done our coursework, would you pay me $1,000 to create the outcome that you're seeking? I think people would be hip to that, right? Yeah, I think so. So that would be a sort of a rolling revenue of $40,000 a year. Now here's what I would do. Now here's what I'm gonna say when I say flip that triangle. Because what most people are doing is they're starting with the blog and they're starting with the ebook or they're starting with the novel or they're starting with the book. That's too broad. And a lot of times I think not only is it too broad, but it's too inexpensive too. So I like what we were talking about before with skin Seth in the Godin, game. right, is skin in the game. Um, is specializing in having expensive products, right? So the thousand true customers heuristic is a great heuristic for finding your target market, but it's not the best model for monetization. A better model would be something like 10 true clients. Right. Could you find a consulting model, for example, that you could get 10 true clients to be paying you $500 a month or $1,000 a quarter or something like that, that's your buying bed. And then here's the trick. When we flip the triangle, take those 10 true clients, so this can be 40 people annually, or maybe those 10 true clients would sign up every quarter. That's ideally that you develop something like that. They all go into either the help desk, the forum, the monthly mastermind call, the insiders meetup group, whatever it's going to be, that is your 100 true customers bed. Right. So that's how you flip the triangle, right? You start with the 10 true clients, you pop them in, well, because you're one of my clients, you of course are gonna be one of my customers. Right. And because of when you're, you're one of my customers, you're gonna be one of my fans. Right. So the real way to get started with lower acquisition costs would be to flip the triangle, and instead of starting with the fans, you start with the clients, move them on to customers, and then that drips out to your fans. And I think a lot of people get nervous about this, right, Dan? Because that means instead of asking somebody for a very small amount of money, you have to ask them for a very large amount of money. Yes. People are going to be nervous about that. So how do, how do they solve that? Well, here's the thing. Like, what a lot of people do right now, they might say, I'm a doctor or I'm a lawyer or I'm a construction management consultant and I really hate my job. So what I want to do is do something passive, right? I'm going to set up a website where I blog about what I do and I'm going to put up an ebook on the side or I'm going to launch something or anything. What I would suggest is think about it inverted like this. Who would be 10 true clients? Who are people that are willing to pay me $1,000 a quarter? What could I do as a lawyer? I can start brainstorming a lot of things that would fit that business model, right? Anybody who signs up to be one of my clients automatically becomes one of my customers for free. And I start to build out that business model. You get a portion of what the clients get as a customer. And that's a higher leveraged thing. Now all of a sudden, you've got $80,000 in annual revenue, much of which is recurring. Right. Okay, so you continue to build out those things, and then occasionally you bundle all the stuff you've learned from serving those customers and you put it out to your fans. 
and you charge a lower amount. That's a lower friction business model. But at that point, you can cash flow it, right? You could even use some of the money to hire somebody to generate those things and see ROI. And by it. the way, then your little ebook becomes your lead generation tool. <laughs> I mean, look, we're not talking about anything new here, but we really want to put forward the business models, number one, so you can framework out how you might achieve the outcomes you want to see in your business. And look, this applies at any level. Ian and I do these exercises every single day. And secondly, the idea that even if your goal is passive, you know, I, I know that people want that and that's fine. If you want to get the passive, flip the triangle. The higher friction you start with, the more likely you are to achieve that, quote, passive status. And look, I'm not going to be a naysayer. You can have a passive income business in the ways that we talk about that online. I have not touched some of our businesses for years. And, and, and same with you. And that's fine. That can happen. We were in the cockpit at the beginning, yes, driving yes. the ship. And yes. if you think you're going to hire a VA to execute all this stuff and be passive right out of the gate, well, give me a phone call and we'll interview you <laughs> on this that's podcast. That's probably a whole separate podcast, but yes, you're right. I think the way that you become passive is you do a lot of heavy lifting in the beginning. You hire people to run your business and then it becomes passive. So if you're going to do, that's the whole point. If you're going to do that heavy lifting, do it with the 10 true clients. Do not do it with the thousand true fans. Absolutely. All right. Let's get moving on to just the tips. Are we full of crap? I don't know. Come to episode 158 and let us know your thoughts. Uh, I love discussing with you. There's all kinds of back channel discussions happening in the DC, happening in email, happening on the comments to this blog. You know, we talk about these ideas because we're interested in them. Yeah. And we want to improve them. So your critical feedback is more than welcome. Just a tips this week. If you want a copy of our real strategic operating document that we use for our publishing company. That's a company that employs three full-time employees and a few contractors. Check it out. We'll put it up at episode 158. You can download it, copy it, and use it yourself. I'm also going to have a video walkthrough training of how I use it to run the business. Awesome. All right. Music this week, Ian. I, it might already be planned because there's this important buildup that I want you all to feel. <laughs> this is um, by this French DJ named, I think it's Madeon or Madeon or Madeon. I don't know how they say it, but this kid is brilliant. Absolutely love his music. Let the beat build, as let Lil the, Wayne said. Let the beat build, as Lil Wayne said. And don't play the outro when it really gets hot because I want people to actually feel motivated by it and jam out. We'll hope you'll be back here next week to jam out with us. This is the LBP. We'll see you next Thursday. Booyah. Hey everybody, thanks for listening. Don't be shy, we've got a mailing list. Check it out at lifestylebusinesspodcast.com. Go there, get yourself signed up, and we'll keep you up to date on everything we do, plus give you immediate access to episodes 1 through 100 of the LBC. It is the cheapest way to fly business class on your next international flight. We'll see you next Thursday morning. Triple J. Yeah, buddy. <laughs>